This is the Show Up and Stay podcast. I'm your host, Deanne Knighton. An intervention, it's sort of hard to describe, but really it's, it's a coming together. It's a surprise party for people who, are, who have addictions. Oh, Michael. And you get in their face and you scream at them and you make them feel really badly about themselves. And then they stop. Michael, played by Steve Carell, is the epitome of what it means to lack boundaries. And in the case of The Office, what it means to lack boundaries between work and private life. It has come to my attention that some people here think that the use of drugs is something to laugh about. We don't feel that way. No, not at all. You were the one joking around calling Dwight an arc. No, no. That was a test. I was testing you. And you all failed miserably. When I said that Dwight was a narc, how many of you defended him? How many of you said, hey, you know what? He's right. What he's doing is protecting this office from the evil. There's so much drugs. wrapped up in this. Thank you, Michael. Even just down to the way that he talks about the issue, substance use disorder. We've come a long way in the last 10 to 15 years, but there is the reality that many still hold outdated beliefs around this issue from drug use at some point in their lives. This year, more people will use cocaine than will read a book to their children. Where did you get these facts? Are these facts scaring you or are they not? They are not. Do you think that smoking drugs is cool? Do you think that doing alcohol is cool? No, I this don't. This is I the second episode in the series on sober, positive workplace. In last week's episode, we tried to share some perspective of what it's like to be a sober person at a work happy hour event. This week, I want to take it a step further and talk about what it really means to create a sober, positive work environment. And no, it doesn't mean no alcohol. It could mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. So let's start with the compelling reasons why. Last year, JAMA published an article that came out of Washington University. The article states that among U.S. workers who are full-time, that an estimated 9%, almost 11 million full-time workers, meet the diagnostic criteria for alcohol use disorder. And if you're looking for the bottom line, alcohol use disorder is linked to 232 million missed work days annually. Although there's some competing research on this topic, anywhere from 5 to 11% of people who struggle with substance use disorder receive treatment. Even if we go with the 11%, you do the math. That's a lot of untreated people and a lot of untreated people in your workplace. One of the reasons that happy hour prevails is because of its tie to the workplace culture. But times are changing in that regard as well. So definitely as employers, it's important to make sure that you, managers, and HR professionals on staff, that you are aware of the trends. We work amongst many of its problems in 2020 removed the unlimited kegs that permeated their shared community spaces for many reasons, including a lawsuit where a former employee reported two sexual assault incidences that were a result of employees stating they were too drunk on free beer to remember. We'll have an entire episode on the connection between sexual assault and alcohol at some point in the future. 
alcohol as a perk is not as cool as it used to be. This is out of the UK. Total Jobs did a survey of 2,400 workers who claimed that more than one in three workers see drinking with colleagues as outdated. There are several cases of well-known organizations who have put a stop to or changed their policy around alcohol in the workplace. One notable one is Salesforce. In 2016, Mark Benioff of Salesforce banned workplace drinking. In response to that, there was also creation of a program within Salesforce called Soberforce that has more than 400 members that operate in an online community as a way to support sobriety in the workplace. This is an example of a very profitable company who's helping to change the conversation. So a quick rundown of my story to help you understand how this happens. I was introduced to alcohol when I was 16. Everybody was doing it. I have undiagnosed anxiety. That includes social anxiety. I also have suffered from depression and ADHD. I experienced trauma at age 19 and my nervous system went into chaos and I didn't get the right type of treatment for the trauma I experienced. I fully embraced college life, binge drinking lifestyle, a little more than everyone else it seemed. I was always overdoing it. At least I was belonging and it seemed to work for me, seemed like a life I could manage. I started working in a high stress environment of sales. It was very much that work hard, play hard. I incorrectly correlated my sense of belonging, my identity, and my survival with my ability to hang, and I viewed alcohol as a ticket to my own acceptance. This kept me drinking it far longer than I should have, and the fear of stigma kept me from getting treatment. Alcohol changes our brain chemistry, and over time, the way that we use it to distress changes and turns into something different. My addiction to work was in a constant battle with my addiction to alcohol. It left behind no quality of life. 20 years later, after an insidious decline as a workaholic and functional alcoholic and drug user, the equation stopped working. And when I needed help, I didn't know where to begin. Nobody had talked about this. Nobody in the circles that I ran in ever wanted to be affiliated with any sort of outgroup, especially one that has to seek treatment for alcohol use disorder. I didn't want to be the sober person in the general public. Even just saying those words, it was off-putting to me and it was off-putting to people around me who I had built relationships with through alcohol. There's an immediate judgment about what my choice of not drinking might mean about their behaviors, and that's human nature. Using substances to offset work stress or social stress can create a vicious cycle that can incorrectly tie you to a perception that you will only survive with it. If somehow quitting means to you a loss of identity, that you'll be isolated and excluded, and that it'll impact your ability to succeed in the workplace, then obviously it's going to be much more difficult to quit. Part of creating a sober, positive workplace is building a community that understands this, that helps to remove some of the stigma around this idea that you can still fit in without the help of substances. It's important to make sure that people have access to the science behind this issue, that they come to know and understand this as not a moral failing, but a combination of genetics, of environmental factors that could include stress, including stress caused by the workplace, 
quick note, 8 million adult Americans suffer from ADHD, and ADHD and substance use disorder are strongly linked. There's a massive issue around the intersectionality with marginalization that includes race, class, gender, sexual orientation, and more, and substance use disorder. Having some understanding around that and how that impacts your demographic within your workplace is incredibly important as well. Taking all the wants out of it and just looking at our basic human needs, belonging is evolutionary. It is a powerful force and it should not be underestimated that the environments and the places that we are striving to be a part of can put a great deal of pressure. Employers do have a responsibility to understanding this. People can get help for this issue, but it is complicated. The whole system needs an overhaul, but it is not as scary as someone may think it is. So employers can do a great deal within how they talk about this issue to release the stigma around it. There needs to be an understanding that evidence-based therapies to treat substance use disorder exist and that people just need to know where to start and can be pointed in the right direction. They first have to feel safe. It's time to think differently about the people within our workplaces that don't drink and respect the decision, I think, differently than we have in the past. We talked about what this looks like in our happy hour episode last week. Addiction is a scary word. Looking at the language and the way we talk about this issue is incredibly important. The language and the cultural understanding around this issue, although it is shifting, is still an issue and it is constantly reinforcing negative ideas. So these forces can stop us from talking about this. We have to push past that discomfort. Let's get really specific. What does it look like to create a sober, positive workplace? The first thing is education, making sure that managers, as well as employees, know and understand the truth about this issue and have the right language to talk about it. Creating a space where it's okay to talk about it. We're seeing a rise in organizations creating more information around mental health awareness and information tied to substance use disorder needs to be a part of that conversation. There's different ways to do this. It can be included as part of mandatory trainings. Ones that we do around sexual harassment as well as diversity inclusion could also include some information on this important subject so that employers know that managers and employees are, are getting this relevant information on a minimum and annual basis. Employers need to give people the room that they need for healing. For those who do seek treatment, one of the biggest issues is this desire to want to just jump right back into regular life. However, there is a harsh reality around their ability to manage stress in those early days. And understanding people's vulnerability at this key time is incredibly important. Ongoing treatment oftentimes includes therapy, if and when people can afford this. And therapy appointments happen during the day. Making sure that managers are creating enough space for employees to be able to take care of themselves and being respectful of them trying to manage their own needs effectively. Substance use disorder is often tied to an overall neglect of self-care and personal needs. We have to understand this will be part of the journey and make sure that we're not creating environments that punish people for taking care of themselves. 
looking at the ways that the organizations do use alcohol as a reward and ensuring that it is not perpetuating a binge drinking environment. There's more that could be done, including management trainings, development of curriculum that supports this subject, development of an internal advocacy program within the organization. There might be instances where there are people on staff that would be willing, in conjunction with the organization, to develop a peer-led advocacy program. Just the creation of this program, even if no one ever accesses it, very quickly starts to change minds and understanding. Looking closely at your policy as it relates to work-related events, but also engaging with customers and using alcohol as a form of entertainment. And then if we create a policy, adhere to it. Understand that the recovery process for substance use disorder is as unique as every person who seeks treatment for it. I have written down a list of illegal drugs. Take a gander. How many of these are you familiar with? Hookah is not an illegal drug, Michael. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's a type of pipe. You can fill it with tobacco, often mixed with fruit or Okay, you know what, Toby? Pam, could you take this down? In addition to Toby's urine being tested, I would like to test his blood and his hair. You can't do that. I can test anyone randomly, and I have chosen you randomly. That's not random. Okay, eeny, meeny, miny, moe is random. Hopefully this was helpful information. If you're an employer or work for an organization that you think would be interested in development of a sober, positive workplace, this is part of the Show Up and Stay initiative through our Sober Positive Workplace Consulting Services. So give them our name. We'd be happy to help. I think even if you're somebody who is in treatment, which I know is a good part of the community that currently listens, that we're all employees, sometimes employers, or we're connected to or work with organizations that could maybe benefit from this information. And for those of us on a sobriety journey, the more awareness on this topic and the more that we can spread this information, the better and healthier it is for everybody. In the meantime, thanks for being here. Be well. For more information, please visit our website at showupandstay.org. You can follow us on Instagram at showupandstay.org. If you're interested in collaboration or being a guest on our show, please email us at info at showupandstay.org. This podcast is written, created, and produced by yours truly. We feature original music created and produced by the wickedly talented Katie Hare.